Yeah, just a heads up for uh, Nikki's mission trip to Kenya. There, um, on the Saturday, there is a lunch here, and uh, Bishop Justice is going to be here from Kenya. He, he leads over a thousand churches in Kenya, and so he's going to be here Saturday night. Uh, we're doing a presentation uh, with, with dinner on the Saturday, then he's going to be here on Sunday preaching as well. So that's coming up on the 23rd, 24th, and there somewhere. So uh, may you want to be joining us uh, for that as well. And today we are going to continue on our uh, sermon series here on forgiveness, and we're going to talk today on, on how to forgive others. Uh, so God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would uh, continue to be at work in our hearts. And God, I pray uh, that you would just remind us again of your incredible forgiveness for us. And God, would you push us to do the same for others. In Jesus' name, amen. As we talked about last week, God has uh, called us to be free. That as followers of Jesus, we should be the most free people on this planet. Uh, the Bible says that He has, uh, Jesus has set us free. He has called us to walk in freedom. Uh, we sang a song about where the Spirit of the Lord is. There is freedom, and the Spirit of the Lord is in us. Uh, greater, greater is He that is in us than is in the world. We should all be experiencing immense freedom in our lives. And uh, there are a lot of reasons why we may not. And one of those reasons, as we talked about last week, is, is unforgiveness. Uh, when we have unforgiveness in our hearts, it robs us of really being free. And I hope all of you can just breathe deep and just feel a sense of freedom in you. Because what Jesus has, has, has done for you, it, it is a gift he has given you, and we are called to walk in it. But it's not always easy. Uh, we talked about last week how in community, uh, as we live in this world, we get emotionally hurt. Uh, when you... Uh, open your heart to love somebody, you are also opening your heart to the possibility of being hurt. And this is why some people want to uh, run from community and they try to isolate themselves. Often it's because they just don't want to open themselves up to hurt. But the risk of being hurt is, uh, I mean, the, the desire to be loved should be greater than the fear of, of being hurt. Because when you do find people who love you and you do find a community that cares for you, uh, it is worth the risk. Uh, but the reality is, even in those uh, most loving relationships, uh, we get hurt, and we get emotionally hurt. And uh, we try to uh, provide a very safe place here in this community, but because uh, we're all not perfect, at times we will hurt each other. I mean, I try to be a loving pastor, but I'm not perfect, and at times I may hurt you, and you may hurt me. It's just a reality of living in, in the messiness of community. There are times when we will be hurt. Uh, but we, as followers of Jesus, need to learn how to deal with that hurt. We need to learn how to walk in emotional maturity when it comes to those things. And again, this is just a review of last week. Uh, there are three ways we can get emotionally hurt in this world. Uh, we can get hurt uh, from, the, from the bad things that people have done to us. This is when someone directly sins against us. Uh, they uh, spread something nasty on Facebook, or uh, you tell something in secret to them and they go tell all their friends, or they emotionally abuse you or physically abuse you, or uh, I mean, there are nasty things that happen in this world. It can be, this can be very big or it can be very small, but when someone sins against us, it always hurts. And, uh, and so uh, that can be one way we can get emotionally hurt. We can also get emotionally hurt for the good things that people didn't do for us. That is, that we would hope that our maybe mom and dad would be there for us in, when we need, and they would be incredibly loving, but maybe they weren't there for us in the way we hoped. That the good that we hoped we would receive from them didn't come our way. Or maybe you were going through a very difficult time in your life, and you hoped that, you know, maybe your mentor would be there, or your friends would be there, and they weren't there for you, and, and so you get emotionally hurt. Or we can be hurt through perceived hurts. And this is where we kind of assume something about others that may actually not be true, but we still feel it as pain. You know, that person never says hi to me. They must hate me. Uh, and you feel pain, even though maybe they're just not a person who says hi very often. I mean, we can be hurt just from, through perception. And so uh, and we all know what this is like because we have all been emotionally hurt in various ways in, 
in this world. But as followers of Jesus, we are called to respond with mercy. We are called to respond with forgiveness. I mean, the way of this world is to be bitter and to be angry and, uh, and, and to take revenge and, uh, and uh, to you know, have their heart all bundled up because you know, someone hurt them. But we as followers of Jesus are actually called in Micah 6, 8 to love mercy. And part of loving mercy is, is to love, uh, to forgive people. There are many reasons why we should forgive. Uh, one, God asks us to forgive. It's actually a command in the Bible. Uh, forgiveness allows us to live in freedom. And if we're carrying resentment and bitterness in our hearts, it's really hard to just breathe a deep breath of freedom because you're just, oh, this person in my life. Uh, we should forgive because there's a very serious verse in Matthew 6, which says, If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. We know from Ephesians 4 that uh, uh, forgiveness keeps evil spirits from gaining access to our lives. Again, as we said last week, I don't think any of you would be like, Man, I would just really love it if an evil spirit just bugged me and just had a grip on my life. I'm just looking for that. But when you walk in unforgiveness, that's essentially what you're saying. Because it gives a foothold for evil spirits. On the other hand, forgiveness allows the power and grace of the Holy Spirit to flow in our lives. And I think all of us would just like, man, I'd love just to have just more of the Holy Spirit flowing through my life. Well, one of the ways we do that is to make sure that we are walking in forgiveness towards others. Uh, it is good for our mental and physical health. Uh, this is how, like I always love it when science catches up to the Bible, how uh, science is finally figuring out that forgiveness is actually one of the best things you can do for your mental and your physical health. And, and so it's, it's, it's good for you physically. Uh, we can add other things in there, like uh, that it, makes me, it actually makes you more emotionally mature. Uh, Relational challenges are actually one of the best ways to mature you if you walk through them in the right way. We should never run from our emotional challenges because it always weakens us if we do. If you want to become a more mature person, you need to learn to face those emotional challenges head on. And one of the ways we do that is through forgiveness. It makes us more mature people. And of course, it is the proper way to respond to the love and grace that God has given us. And that's what we focused on last week. That you are really forgiven in Jesus. Uh, all, all your sin, not just the small stuff, not just the little medium stuff, but the big stuff and the dark stuff and the really dark stuff. If you are in Jesus, it is absolutely forgiven and washed away. He has heaped so much grace on us that the only way to properly respond is to do the same for others. Now, okay, what is forgiveness? This comes out of... Uh, Restoring the Foundations Ministries is their, their quote. Again, we had an awesome seminar by Bruce Van Lee just a few weeks ago. Uh, forgiveness is the setting of one's will and the making of a decision to release an offending person or situation. When we forgive, we choose to set them free. We choose to forgive. We also set, uh, by choosing to forgive, sorry, we also set ourselves free. We don't hold resentment or bitterness. We let go of our plans for retaliation. We let go of feelings like they owe us something. We just we release them uh, from our hearts into this place where we can actually walk free. This is forgiveness. Now again, one of the questions we need to ask is, have you really forgiven? Because often in Christianity, I find this, I'm sure Bruce finds this too, that, that Christians, uh, they say, you know, I've forgiven them, but the reality is they really haven't. Because somehow we, we kind of think that if I just give mental assent to, you know, I've forgiven them, yeah, I've forgiven them, uh, that, that, that that's enough. But Jesus asks us to actually forgive people from our hearts. You know, sometimes because we just don't want to deal with the pain, we just say, well, I've forgiven them. But that pain is still there and our heart is still in bondage. Or because we want to be a good Christian and we want to impress God, right, and kind of do the religious thing. Well, I've forgiven them, but really you haven't. You've just done the religious and you actually haven't done the Christian thing. Have you really forgiven those people who have hurt you? Not, not in a religious duty sense, but what Jesus says, he says, I want you to forgive from, from your heart. 
where that bitterness and resentment is actually is actually given over and handed over to Jesus and the work of the cross. Here's some questions you can ask. Uh, some signs that you have not really forgiven someone in the heart, uh, from the heart. Uh, that uh, I sec secretly desire to see the person hurt or miserable. You don't have a bad day. I'm just like, yes, just kind of down. That's a sign you just haven't forgiven them. Uh, you want the person to get what they deserve. You know, they hurt me, and I hope they get the same thing back. You know, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, kind of Old Testament kind of thing. Uh, you live as if they don't exist. You just ignore them. You go down the other aisle of the grocery store if you see them. Uh, I would be happier if some, something bad would happen to them. Again, this idea that you want them to, you want to get them back, or they need to be repaid, and you know, God has to get them, or something, because, you know, you haven't actually forgiven them. You haven't released them from the debt that you, they think, uh, you think you, they owe you. I, I keep as much distance between us as possible. And deep down, I want to get even with them. Or again, I avoid them. I find it difficult to act warmly towards them. These can be some signs that you have maybe just done the religious thing, I forgive them, but actually haven't done it the way Jesus says, and he says, I want you to forgive from your heart. Now, we're going to talk today about how to forgive, because uh, this is not always an easy thing. If you've been really hurt, and, and I tell you, there are some just horrendous things that have happened to people. And horrible, horrendous things that happen to people in this room. And uh, it can be really, really hard to forgive. I mean, if the worst thing in your life that has happened is someone stole your lunch one day and that's about it, I mean, maybe easy, but it can be very difficult if you've gone through hard things. But nonetheless, Jesus says, I want you to forgive. So how do we do that? That's what I'm going to talk about today. Uh, first of all, and this is bridging back to last week. Uh, we need to allow God's love and grace to be our motivation. Uh, we need God's love and grace that he has shown us to be our motivation. We need to have some motivation somewhere, and this comes from the work of the Spirit. That even if you are here today and you face the most difficult task of forgiving someone who has hurt you tremendously, know this, Jesus has gone before you. Jesus has gone before you. Jesus, who never sinned, who lived the most beautiful, loving life, uh, was nailed to a cross. Uh, people were putting nails into his hands and to his feet, lifting him up after he's had his back shred. And he's totally innocent. He's the most loving person anyways. And he looks out at these people who are torturing him, who are murdering him, who are doing the most horrendous thing possible. And what does Jesus say? As he's hanging on the cross, Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. The Jesus on the cross, he's forgiving these people in the very moment where they are, they are doing the most horrendous thing towards them. Know this, that Jesus, he has gone before you. That Jesus knows the difficult task of forgiveness. And Jesus lives in you, and he is wanting to empower you to do the same. Part of our motivation is the God who lives in me, he knows what this is like, and, he, and he's done this himself. But also, the reality is, we talked about last week, that he has forgiven us. As Colossians 3 says, it says, Make allowance for each other's faults, and forgive anyone who offends you. That's anyone. That's not just the little stuff. This, this is anyone who offends you. And, and where's the motivation to do something that hard? Right here. Remember, the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. You see, when we have to forgive somebody, usually we have to forgive somebody for maybe one or two little things. I mean, maybe it's really bad. Maybe there's ten things or, you know, it's just a few things. But when God looks at us to forgive us, it's not just one or two things. It's not just ten things. It's not just twenty things. When Jesus died on the cross, he forgave all of our sin. Every past sin, every current sin, Every future sin was dealt with as Jesus died on the cross. He took it all. And because he has taken all of our sin, he says, yeah, I want you to respond and forgive that one or two or three or ten things that, that those other people have done, done to you. So our motivation comes from this incredible love and grace that he has showered on us, knowing that we are children. 
children of God, and we are, we are safe and secure, and our, our identity is Him, and He has set us free to actually love people. He has set us free to actually forgive people, so that we ourselves might walk in, in forgiveness. Now, Jesus told a famous story uh, that talks about this motivation, that where does motivation to forgive should come from the love and grace of God. And this is the most famous story of forgiveness in the Bible. It's in Matthew 18. And it says, Then Peter came up and said to Jesus, Lord, uh, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Which seems like a lot. And it was definitely a lot in those days because the rabbis taught you forgive two or three times and then the fourth time you get them. Yeah, you, uh, they, they should be punished on the fourth time. Now Peter's been hanging around Jesus enough to know that Jesus is, he says, you know, uh, you've heard it said, do this, but, but I say to you, he's raising the bar of love. And so Peter's like, I got this. You know, the rabbi is saying you get them on number four. So we go to seven. So he's like, Jesus, seven times, should I forgive? And uh, Jesus responds and says to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. And he's not saying that you count 77 times and then you get them. Like, you know, that was 76. One more time. Uh, oh, 77. If you do it one more time, I'm going to get you because I'm following Jesus to the T. I mean, no. This is, this is, he's just saying, just keep on forgiving. Just keep on forgiving. They've sinned a hundred times. You keep on forgiving because that's exactly what God's done for you. There are things you've probably done more than 77 times. And God doesn't get you on number 78. He forgives you. Now, as a loving father, he might try to help you along and encourage you and, and kind of convict you. And, and he wants to raise you up to, 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 to live the life that he wants you to live. But, but he forgives you. And again, he looks at us and says, I want you to do the same. Now, it's important to note because sometimes people confuse this, when they think about forgiveness, they think that forgiveness means trust. So if I forgive someone 77 times, then that means I get hurt 78, 79, 70 times as I keep forgiving. Forgiveness and trust are different. The Bible calls us to freely forgive, but in a sense, be cautious when we trust people. Uh, Jesus himself, who perfectly forgave people, and was perfect in every way, didn't trust everybody. It says that right in John chapter 2. Jesus didn't trust them. I mean, we can forgive somebody and not necessarily trust them. We are to freely forgive, but I mean, there's a place for boundaries. I mean, if someone steals our lunch at work seven, eight, nine times, it might be a good idea to put a boundary up and lock it in the truck or have a chalk talk with them. I mean, you don't have to keep trusting. Well, I keep forgiving so I can keep having my lunch stolen. This is exactly what Proverbs 2, 22, 3 says. A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. Some people think this is what Christian forgiveness is, that you just got to be the simpleton, and you just got to walk into dangers because and keep being hurt and hurt. And again. No, that's not what it means. It does mean you forgive, but you also need to be smart and wise, and in some cases you need to put up boundaries, and in some cases you're going to say, you know, I'm not going to hang out with you every day or whatever it might be. But forgiveness and trust, they are different. Trust, for the most part, is something that we freely give somebody. And it's also something that someone earns over consistency of character. But we are called to forgive. To keep on forgiving uh, time and time again. And it's what Jesus says. Now, that's hard. I mean, some of us would have a hard time imagining forgiving seven times. We might want to go like old school Jewish and be the rabbis and get them on the fourth time. But uh, Jesus says, 77, you just keep going. Again, that's not easy. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's a hard thing. So Jesus goes on here and says, well, here's your motivation. Do you want to know why you should keep on forgiving? He tells us why. Again, the motivation is the love and grace that God has given us. And he tells us famous story. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven, that's uh, the kingdom of God is like this can be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who uh, owed him 10,000 talents. Now, one talent is equal in those days to 6,000 days' wage. 
So I got on my calculator, figured, hey, if you made $20, $20 an hour, what's this in today's world? It'd be about $12 billion. <laughs> That's a lot. I mean, imagine if you made 20 bucks an hour and you had a $12 billion bill. And our government, with all their money, can't even handle their, their debt. I mean, how are you going to handle yours, right? Or maybe you could be smarter, but $12 billion, that's still, it's impossible. It's absolutely impossible, and that's the point. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and the payment to be made. And that's just the way they did not They did it back in those days. If you couldn't pay the debt, you would become a slave, and you would work on their farm or whatever it might be until you could pay it back. But we know this is impossible. Uh, this guy's family could work for their entire life and not even come close uh, to paying off this debt. And so what do we do when we're in an impossible situation? We beg for mercy, you see. You know, uh, I, we, I can't, this is exactly what it is. He begs for mercy. So the servant falls on his knees, imploring the king, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. That's kind of a lie because he's not going to be able to pay it. Uh, but he's begging for mercy. And even though he's lying and kind of trying to get, wiggle his way out of this, this king is so loving and gracious, he forgives the debt. And so what it says, out of pity uh, for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Now, $12 billion, that's a lot of money back then. And this king, even if he was rich, that's a lot of money. And so this is incredibly generous to forgive $12 billion. And, and the point of this is, this is what God has done for us. That's the point of the story. That God is the king. We are those who have this debt we cannot pay because we, we, we're not perfect. This beautiful world that God has created, we mess it up and people are hurting because, because we're not perfect and we're not perfect together and, and we've sinned against God and we don't deserve heaven or any of those things. But, but when we confess our sins, the Bible says that he is faithful and just. To forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He forgives us. Totally undeserving. He forgives us all of our sin. And uh, it's what, again, Colossians says that God made you alive with Christ and He forgave all your sin. And you gotta believe that. Because again, sometimes Christians believe that God just forgives the little stuff, but He wouldn't really forgive the big stuff. No, He forgives the big stuff too. $12 billion worth of your sin is erased uh, through Jesus on the cross. He said he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away. It's gone. Your sin is gone. Uh, you don't need to keep punishing yourself for it anymore because Jesus has already been punished. It's gone. You can forgive yourself completely because it's, it's gone. It's already dealt with. You are forgiven. And this is the grace and mercy that our king has, has given us. But the problem is this. As C.S. Lewis said, everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until he has something to forgive. And we love being forgiven. It's like, whoo, I'm free. I mean, it feels so free. This is great. $12 billion is gone. This is awesome. All my sin washed away. What did you do to me? And then we look at those other people. And this is where the problem is. And this is the problem of the story. That this guy, he loves to be forgiven. He's, just imagine if you had a $12 billion debt and it was gone. And just imagine if someone gave you a million dollars and you'd be thrilled, right? You'd be so happy. And this is what the forgiveness of Jesus should do. As we say, oh, happy day. We should be the most thrilled people on this planet. The most free and the most thrilled. But again, God looks at us and says, what I've done for you, would you do for others? Would you do that for others? And so the story goes on. But when that same servant, who just got forgiven 12 billion, went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. That's like a hundred days wage, which made 20 bucks an hour, would be about 12 grand or so, maybe 15 grand in there. Uh, nothing compared to what he owed. And he's just received so much, and there's this guy, and uh, uh, he loved being forgiven, but didn't want to forgive. And so, and seizing him, he began to choke this guy, saying, pay what you owe. And, you know, we read the story, kind of chuckle at that. But we do this. Even minor things. Someone tells a nasty story, we're like, we can pay what you owe. You know, we're going to get you. And you, you 
Take all these gnats. And again, we're, we're putting this person in prison, is what it says. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. And he refused and went back and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. And we put people in prison. In a sense, we put our own heart in prison at the same time, but we put people in prison waiting for them to say sorry, waiting for them to come and make it right, waiting for them to make the story correct, waiting for them to somehow fix the hurt that they gave us, and we just, we just want to get them, or we have resentment and bitterness, and, and yet we receive $12 billion we don't deserve. We love forgiveness, but we don't always like to give it to people. And the story ends by Jesus saying this, when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that, that debt because you pleaded with me. And should, I not, uh, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother. That's where that phrase comes from your heart. From your heart. Not, not just your, your thinker up here, but your, your heart. And again, the motivation of this whole story is because God has given us so much grace that we should, again, as the Bible says in Micah 6, 8, just love mercy. <laughs> I feel so free and I'm so happy for what Jesus said. I'm not going to let that person sin against me, rob me of my freedom. I'm not going to let that person sin against me, rob me of my joy. And because I love my freedom and I love my joy in Jesus, I forgive because I want to stay there. And so we are called to be these radical, forgiving people. And, uh, and so here's just a couple points on uh, forgiving First of all, you need to understand what you're forgiving. This is one of the reasons why a lot of people think they have forgiven, but actually have not forgiven. You need to count the cost. To forgive from the heart, you actually need to truly acknowledge what has been taken from you and what you are specifically forgiving the person for. Before you say, I forgive you, you've got to understand what you're actually forgiving the person for. You know, that person has hurt you in five different ways, and you just forgive them for the, the one little thing they did. You're still going to have a grudge, even though you might think you've forgiven the person, but you actually have not. Because it's still way on your heart. Uh, James Jordan, who uh, Bruce Nelly and Scott actually shared with me, uh, tells a story this way about this. He says, uh, suppose I need some money. I need uh, $20 because maybe I'm hungry and I want pizza, right? And so I go over to your house to borrow $20, and I knock on the door, and you're not there. And so uh, I go around the back, just look in the windows to see if you're sleeping or something, and, and you're not even in the house. But I see your wallet on the table, and I go, oh, he's my good buddy. I'm sure he won't mind if I take some money out of his wallet. And so I go in your house, and uh, I take $20 out of your wallet. That's enough for my pizza, but I also see you've got your MasterCard in there. And, and you're not very smart because you have your pin on a little notepad there too. And so I take your MasterCard and the pin and I go and I buy my pizza with the $20. But then I'm thinking that I love pizza so much that um, I'm just going to get a month's supply. And so I, I, I pay the pizza guy $1,000 so I can have free pizza every day for the next month or so with, with your MasterCard. And, uh, and then, then I go back to your house and I, I, I tuck the MasterCard back in your wallet. But I don't have 20 bucks to stick in it, but I put your MasterCard back at least. And then I leave. And you come home later, and you notice, like, oh, I left my wallet on the table. And you notice $20 is missing. But you don't know that I took money off the MasterCard because it's back in there. Uh, but later in that day, I, I, I kind of get a case of the guilties. And so I go over, over to your house, and I say to you, you know, I'm really uh, sorry. I, would you forgive me? I, I, I stole $20 from your wallet. Uh, would you forgive me? Now, you're thinking... Uh, he just took $20. You're like, well, you're my good buddy, and you're my pastor, and so you can do that, things like that, right? <laughs> and, uh, and so you say, Jesse, I forgive you. I release you from the debt. You don't have to pay me back because I love you, right? Now, am I really forgiven? No. No, because you don't know that I stole another $1,000. Uh, because later on, you're, you're going to think that you forgave me. And then you're going to check your MasterCard statement, and you're like, what is a $1,000 bought at the pizza shop about? And you're going to find this out, and then you're, 
you're going to be ticked. And rightly so, you're going to have this righteous anger because you've just been hurt. But now, again, you've you, you got you to come back and you've got to deal with this forgiveness thing. I mean, the, 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 the point is, to really forgive somebody, you've got to count the cost. You actually have to know what you are actually forgiving the person for. And it's helpful when you're thinking about this person you need to forgive to just kind of run through all the things that they have done to you and how they've hurt you because that is the cost of your forgiveness. That is what you're releasing the person from. That is the bitterness and the resentment that you're saying, I'm not going to hold this against you anymore. And it's one of the ways that we forgive from the heart is actually, again, understand what we are uh, forgiving. Uh, number three, uh, when you forgive, you're actually trusting them to God's justice. And this is one of the other misconceptions that when I forgive, that I'm just kind of ignoring what they did. You know, they hurt me so much, there's, there's got to be some sort of justice. So if I forgive, they're just getting away with what they did. No, actually, the Bible says you are giving that crime, because when you're hurt, it is a crime. It really does hurt when you've been sinned against. And you're not ignoring it, you are just sending it to a higher court. It's like when you can't deal with it in one court, you go to the Supreme Court, right? You are sending it into God's court. That's what God says that we do. Romans 12, do not take revenge, my friends. That's another way of saying don't carry bitterness, don't carry resentment. That's a kind of revenge. It says, forgive. Don't take revenge. Forgive. But leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. 1 Corinthians 4, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. You're actually sending that crime to a higher court. And that crime will either be covered by Jesus on the cross, or it's going to be dealt with on Judgment Day. But you're, not, 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 you're not ignoring it, and, and God's not turning a blind eye to that painful thing that happened to you. But when you forgive, you're releasing it from your own heart, and you're putting it in the hands of a loving Jesus, who is the perfect judge, who absolutely knows perfectly how to deal with that situation. And so don't think they're just getting away with it. You forgive, but release them to a higher court. Now, another important note is that forgiveness does not depend on the response of the other person. If you wait for that person to say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but it just may never happen. I mean, there are some mean people in this world. That even if you say, I am going to forgive them, and you go up to their face and say, you know, I forgive you for what you did to me. I mean, they might even still flip you the bird. I don't know. There are some mean people in this world. They may never offer forgiveness back to you or say, I'm sorry. We don't wait for that. We just do our part and we release them and forgive them and send them off into God's court so that we might walk in freedom. And this is what Romans 12 says. Do not be overcome by evil. We know we being overcome by evil is when someone hurts us and we want revenge and we're holding a grudge and we just can't wait to get them back or whatever. That's, that's, that's just you know, turning evil for evil. Do not be overcome by, e by evil, but overcome evil with, with good. And this is forgiveness. It's the grace that we give to people. So I'm going to go through a forgiveness process here. And I think this is a helpful process. This is a combination of some stuff from RTF, some stuff from uh, Greg Mitchell, some stuff that I've kind of picked up over the year. But I think it's a helpful process. And there's lots of different ones you can go through. Uh, but this is one that I think is a helpful process. Uh, I'm just going to go through it. We're going to do a quick practicum here. But I would hope you take a, a sermon insert home, because you really need a good half an hour to do this properly. Maybe even an hour and, and work through this. And so, um, for the sake of today, I wouldn't pick something majorly catastrophic that has happened to you, because we're going to do this quickly. But maybe just pick a minor offense. You know, something that this person kind of ticks you off, or you don't really like them, or they push you the wrong way, or I don't know, but uh, something small. But here's a, is a forgiveness process, how to forgive. And I always like to start here. You focus on the forgiveness that Jesus has given you. And you do this by remembering some of your darkest sins. And then remember how all the guilt, punishment, and condemnation has been completely removed through the cross. And you can do this like we did last week. When we just spent some time closing our eyes and we just pictured our sin in a huge pile in front of us. And then Jesus comes along and he just, he just wipes it clean and we just feel so much joy. Just, just to remind yourself 
of this $12 billion that he is forgiving you. And we're going to go through this, by the way, then go through this again. So this is the quick way through. Uh, secondly, we want to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you if there's anyone towards whom you are holding offense. It could be a family member, it could be someone at work, it could be someone at church, it could be school, a friend. Uh, who do you need to forgive? And then uh, you're going to ask the Lord to forgive you for not forgiving as he forgave you. Because that's actually a sin. <laughs> when we don't forgive someone, so the first step is, God, would you forgive me for not forgiving that person? And then number four, we're going to acknowledge what you are forgiving you and account the cost. I'm forgiving them for this, 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 and this. And you want to be specific. Because if you're not specific, then sometimes you'll end up forgiving but not really forgiving. Number five, you want to forgive the person. And then you want to release all the wounds and hurts over to God, trusting God in his justice. And so if there are feelings of bitterness and resentment. You just, you just picture yourself. And again, all of this works way better if you just... Uh, picture the stuff in your mind. If you picture yourself carrying that bitterness and just laying it at the feet of Jesus on the cross, uh, picture him taking over this scene. Now you want to listen to what the, the Spirit wants, uh, listen to what the Spirit wants to say to you personally. Where was the Lord in this event? What was he doing? What is he saying? And so you go back to that traumatic event, or hopefully today it's not so traumatic, that event you choose, uh, but you just want to picture Jesus in that scene. Knowing the heart and character of Jesus, he is good and loving and amazing and loves you so much. What is he doing and what is he saying to you? And sometimes people will see Jesus crying over the situation. Sometimes Jesus, they will see Jesus holding you through that scenario. Uh, but God was there because he's always here, there, and everywhere. Uh, what was he doing in that moment you were hurt? And then number eight, uh, what lie did you pick up about yourself or God as a result of the incident? And then you want to repent of that lie and ask God what the truth is. Because when you are hurt by somebody, often you pick up a lie about yourself. If someone ignores you and your parents are never there for you, you might pick up a lie that, that I'm unlovable or that nobody wants me. And, and that's a lie that you actually need, need to deal with as well. And then uh, number nine, you want to listen to what the Spirit wants to say to you about the offender. And this is really important. God, what do you want to say to me about that person who hurt me? Because sometimes God will give you insight into their lives and their own hurts because we know that hurting people hurt people. That God may give you insight into why they were hurt and why they ended up hurting you. And that can help you uh, uh, pray for that person or it can help you through this process. Uh, number 10, uh, you want to ask if there's anything you did to contribute to the situation. And then number 11, you want to ask God how he turned what was intended for evil into something good. Because that's the promise. If you are in Jesus, there are nasty things that Satan does to you. There are nasty things that this fallen world does to you. But there's a promise that God can take horrible, nasty things that Satan did and he inspired. And God can use them for good. And so to ask God, God, how have you used this for good? And then lastly, through prayer, you want to pray and actually bless your offender. This is what Jesus says. Pray for those who persecute you. Bless those who, you know, who uh, are against you and who harm you. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. This is what Jesus did on the cross. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. So I'm going to invite Daniel up here. And she's just going to play on the, the piano. And maybe we'll take five or ten minutes and we'll go as far as we, we can here. And so again, as we do this, um, unless God is really leading you to pick something traumatic, I would, uh, just because we're going to do this quickly, because something traumatic needs a lot more time than this. You can take this home and work through this. But just take something maybe more minor, just maybe a person you just, you just got a little bit of a grudge towards. And uh, we want to work through this. And so, um, helpful again, if you just, if not forcing you to do this. You don't have to do this if you don't want to. I'm not forcing you. But if you want, just close your eyes, and, um, and, I, and I'll lead you through this process. So to begin, we just want to focus on the forgiveness that Jesus has given us. And you may just want to picture a, a pile of sin in front of you. 
Maybe you want to remember some of your darkest moments. Those moments when you really brought pain into other people's lives. And there before you is all your past sin, all your present sin, all your future sin. It's just, it's a, it's a mountain of sin. And then you guys picture Jesus walking in on that scene. And he sees that sin and he sees you. And he just, he's thrilled that you're there. He's thrilled to see you. You just picture him coming up and giving you a big hug. And he looks at that sin and says, I can wash that all away. A $12 billion pile of sin, I can wash it all away. And you say, yes, Jesus, please. Would you, I, I can't pay that. I can't get rid of it. Would you take it away? And just in a flash, Jesus removes all of your sin. It's gone. There, there's not a speck anywhere. You, you turn 360 degrees, it's, it's gone. And you just notice how free your heart feels. You just notice that you have so much joy. It's all, all that weight and all that burden is, is gone. And you feel so amazing. Jesus comes up to you and looks at you. And he says, what I've done for you, I want to empower you to go and do the same. That you might go to those who have hurt you and take their piles and that you would forgive them and wash them from your heart so that you might live in freedom. So just take a moment now and just say, Holy Spirit, is there anyone that I need to forgive? Is there anyone who, when I think about my heart and I breathe deeply, just seems to have a grip on my heart in, in, a, in, a, in a not good way? Is there anyone I need to forgive? Do you have a name? Do you have a face? Because you've walked in unforgiveness, the first thing you want to do is just uh, repent before God and say, uh, God, uh, Father, I am sorry that I have not forgiven the way you've forgiven me. And I ask you to forgive me. And God looks at you right now and says, oh, absolutely, I forgive you. You're clean. You're clean in my sight. And anyone who acknowledge how this person has hurt you, because when you, when you forgive, you're releasing them from that debt. You're releasing them from all bitterness, all resentment. And so take a moment to count the cost. And you just want to rehearse quickly what happened in that situation so that you don't miss anything. And you may want to take a moment to grieve and just to feel that pain. garbage bag with of stuff of hurt that you've received from this person. It's time to let that garbage bag go and lay it at the feet of Jesus. It's time to release forgiveness. And so you can just come in prayer and just forgive that person. And you say, uh, God, I forgive so and so. And it's probably good to say, I forgive this person that just lists some of those things that are in that garbage bag, that are in, in that, 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 that you're releasing. You may want to be specific for why you're forgiving them. And you want to picture Jesus 
get on a cross dying for your sin. And you can picture yourself going up and just pulling any bitterness and any resentment that is still in your heart and just laying at the feet of Jesus. And as you're laying those things at the feet of Jesus, you're also laying this crime, this hurt at the feet of Jesus, knowing that he is the righteous judge, knowing that you are handing this crime over to a higher course. Just keep handing that stuff over until your heart begins to feel free. Bible says to cast all your worries upon him because he cares for he is able to take that resentment, he's able to take that bitterness. to repent of that lie. You say, God, I repent of the lie that is fill in the blank. And God, I thank you that you have cleansed us of that lie because you forgive. And so God, we ask, what is the truth that you want to replace that lie with? What is the truth? How do you see us? God, we restore character to us in this moment. What is the truth about who you are and who we are? So Father, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that we are accepted in your sight. We thank you that you smile over us. We thank you, God, that you are good and you are good all the time. Thank you that you are loving. God, we thank you for that truth you've given us. And we hold on to it. Now, God, what do you have to say about the person who hurt us? What are you saying about that person? God, what do you want us to know about them? Father, we also ask, is there anything we did to contribute to that situation? 
if there are things that, again, just confess your sin, and God is faithful and just, he's going to cleanse you of that and wash that clean from your life. Father, we thank you that you've washed our sin away. We thank you that you've adopted us into your family. We thank you, God, that we are no longer slaves, that we are no longer orphans, that we are no longer alone. And wherever we are, there you are, the God who loves us. And so, God, we rest in your arms. And again, we thank you for the freedom you've given us. We thank you for the, the Jesus joy that you've poured into our hearts. And God, we continually pray that you would help us to walk more and more in that freedom you've given us. God, that we would not let the things of this world rob us of that freedom and rob us of that joy. So God, would you keep our hearts free? And God, we pray over us as well, as maybe some of us are going to go home this week and are going to tackle some of the hard people that we need to forgive. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just be powerful as they take that half an hour, as they take that hour, and they work through this process. God, I pray you would show up in miraculous ways. I pray, God, that people would experience freedom and release and like ever before. God, may forgiveness flow in this place. And God, as we close the service, as we sing to you, Remind yourselves of how good you are. We just pray blessing over us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite the worship team up. And just remind you if. Uh...